Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. February 22nd is World Encephalitis Day. And speaking to me from the future, all the way from New Zealand, encephalitis advocate and stroke survivor Vero, my new favorite superhero. Boom! Intro done! Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Neuro Nerds. Yes, that was on time. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. Welcome to the Neuro Nerds. Once again, I say it every week, mean it every week. Very special episode. Who do I have with me from literally half a world away? Vero, what's going on, Vero? How are you? Hi, good. I'm doing great. Yeah. Early uh, morning I'm, here, so. It is. Is it early? It is early morning here, too. It's kind of like early afternoon here, but we're a whole day behind. You literally live in the future. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's a beautiful Vero. place to be, and it'd be awesome if it would work on the lottery ticket as well, but it doesn't. <laughs> hey, hey, so, 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 soon enough. You are in New Zealand. You're Kiwi. Uh, I'm originally from Quebec City, Canada, but I've been living in New Zealand for about 14 years now. Oh, you know what's funny? When you said Canada, I was like, oh, yeah, you're Canadian. <laughs> and then when you said everything else, I was like, oh, yeah, you're from New Zealand. <laughs> I love your accent. And I'll say this. You have an accent. I don't have an accent. You have an accent. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a big actually. I'm a huge fan of yours. We met on social media. You do a lot of amazing TikTok videos and you spread awareness kind of the way the neuro nerds spread awareness through humor and fun. And, you know, you do it with a smile on your face. You never get too too dark and serious, which I love. You know, look, we're all brain injury survivors and recovery is a really dark thing, but we don't have to stay in that place. You know, there's another side to it. And I kind of focus on the happy go lucky. Let's smile and enjoy life. And I think so do you. And I think that's why we're going to vibe. That being said, how are you part of this community, Vero? Um, so basically four and a half years ago, um, all out of nowhere, I just 
started feeling really unwell and massive headache that started kicking in. I was actually vacuuming in my lounge and it felt as though someone had hit me behind the head with a baseball bat. So I was thinking, oh, I've got a lot on, must be tired, early night, and I'll be all better in the morning because migraines and headaches weren't typical for me. So that's just what I did, went to bed, didn't sleep really well that night because of the headache. And then in the following morning, we had contractors from Australia coming over to our workplace and I was managing the project. So headache was pretty, pretty bad. But I thought, oh, I just got to show up. It's just one of those days where, you know, I got to show up, I got to be there. So went on double dose of painkillers, which were pretty much doing next to nothing. And at the end of that day, I drove back home and it felt as though I was sort of in a mirage. Um, So everything was very, very blurry, fuzzy, um, wasn't quite registering where I was going. So luckily I live five minutes away from my workplace. So it wasn't, I got home all right. And then, um, yeah, just, you know, lots of chills. The brain started, like, shutting down. But even then, I thought I was still just coming down with something. So I went to bed, got next to no sleep that night. And the following morning, made my way to the GP. And then, um, you know, just the headache was was definitely not typical or of just a headache. So it had a bit of a, a few red flags to it. They sent me to emergency, and from there, they started lots of investigation to try to figure out what was happening, sort of presenting someone who could potentially be having a stroke. So the first screening was definitely all around eliminating stroke as a, you know, as a possibility. So they did CT scan. CT scan only revealed, like, just a lot of inflammation around the sinuses. And then they did a, a lumbar puncture, and, yeah. The, the headache was just such that, you know, I thought I was literally going mad. Right. In the worst of it, I, I, I remember thinking, gosh, they have to figure out what is wrong here because something is really, really wrong. And if, if they can't resolve this issue, you know, you just might as well give me a gun. Sorry about, but, you know, that's just how bad oh, no. the headache felt. Yeah. I completely understand that. Like the the pain that you suffer with a brain injury, like for me, it was the migraines. I had really high blood pressure and that's what caused my stroke. I can't describe to you what those migraines were. They were, you can't, you can't live with that. Like anything is better than living with that pain. Yeah. So you had that fear that you were just going to, this is just what my life is. If they can't figure it out, this is just what I'm going to have to live with. I mean, for me, like breathing in and out was triggering fits of pain in my head, you know, like it's just, it was not normal, definitely not normal. So anyway, um, obviously they thought I had a sinus infection because of the CT scan showing inflammation there. And they eventually made the call to release me on the back of a sinus infection uh, with antibiotics and painkillers, like morphine painkillers, headed back home and then... The headache had started to sub- subside a little bit, but, you know, it was still pretty intense. So I got through the weekend and everything was just feeling so surreal around me. Um, but Monday came um, and I thought I had a sinus infection then. You know, you want to trust your uh, health professional. So right. went back to work. And then first thing in the morning, Sunday, um, Monday morning, we usually have a, a team meeting. Sat in the meeting and I could not follow what people were saying was just way too fast. I could not read the screen. 
And when I tried to read my emails, like everything was jumbled up and nothing was making sense. So I called my partner and I was like, something is, is way off here, you know, because when I was home, I was just basically, I slept the whole weekend, so I didn't do mm -hmm. much. So if you're not challenged, you know, you can't really figure out what, what's, what's wrong. Right. Um, so I went back to my GP. She gave me a week off for stress. <laughs> and throughout that week, things kept degrading and degrading and degrading. So, for example, my speech started, started to slur. I, was, I had a stutter, which I've never had before. Uh, was, right. The speech was the main thing. And the anxiety, like I felt extremely anxious. My heart rate would just go up and down, up and down. And I was sitting at home, you know, so, yeah. um, so eventually I went back because I was like, this is just not right at all. It's it, yeah, this isn't a sinus infection. No, no. So that was um, almost two weeks later. I went back, uh, to see my GP and uh, she called the emergency again. And that's when they pulled out my lumbar puncture, uh, result and went, Oh, hang on. Um, <laughs> there's a really high count of white blood cell in there. Um, mm -hmm. which correlated with uh, meningitis and encephalitis. And I had tested uh, positive for something that's called enterovirus. So their best guess is that it would have potentially started as uh, meningitis, which mm -hmm. is infection of the meninge, so the protective layers around the brain. And then it would have migrated into the brain, which is how it becomes encephalitis. That, okay, what blows my mind is the amount of time from when it started to when they figured it out. That is really mind-blowing. Oh, well, you're stressed out. I'm going to give you a week off of work. Yeah. <laughs> that is mind-blowing. Now, let me ask you a question about the encephalitis. Um, do they know what caused it? Because I was reading about it, and it could be caused by anything from like a mosquito bite to several other things. Do they yeah. know exactly? Did they narrow it down? So there's two roots of encephalitis. There's a viral one, and then there's an autoimmune one. Um, mm -hmm. So to immune, obviously, it's when your body starts attacking the brain in error. Viral can be anything, like you said, from a mosquito bite to, right. um, you know, a, a, a tummy bug that then gets into the bloodstream and then goes from the bloodstream to the brain. There's lots of uh, different, different roots of the viral uh, instance. So mine, they never have been truly able to pinpoint what was going on. You know, the day before I was perfectly fine. I had nothing at all, you know, no signs of cold or anything at all. Uh, right. And the next, it was just that, that big headache, really. So um, their best guess was that my body was fighting some sort of virus mm -hmm. and that the virus migrated, like I said, in the bloodstream. And then from the bloodstream, it crossed the brain barrier. So absolutely random. Uh, apparently, you know, very unlucky, very rare. But it is mm -hmm. one of those things that, that can happen. Now, very unlucky and rare, yes. That just makes you more unique, right? If you look at it like that, <laughs> you're just one of the most unique human beings to ever walk. Does it kind of bother you that they don't know 100% how it happened? It did for a long time. Mm -hmm. Sort of made peace with that now because I guess you can't change the outcome. And I've come to right. that realization. But it, you can't understand when you don't know, right? True. So, so that was a big thing for me for, for quite some time. And the fact that because it was, you know, from a viral source, that if at the hospital they would have given me antiviral treatment, 
they would mm -hmm. have potentially lessened the duration of the virus right. and the gravity of the brain damage that occurred as well. Um, so there's been a lot of resentment and frustration around that for sure. Yeah, yeah. For, for, I am frustrated and angry over here, and I just found out about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's really difficult sometimes when a doctor, when a doctor, a hospital will mess something up during a recovery because you're at the most vulnerable state that you've ever been in. And you're putting you're literally putting your life in someone else's hands. And if they're not going about it and doing everything they can in the right way, it affects the rest of your life. There's a certain amount of resentment. Yes. But then there's also, yeah, I'm he, they saved my life. You know, yeah. it's this weird balance. They saved my life, but also they altered my life, which in you know my opinion, it's unnecessary. They should have tested for all this stuff ahead of time. So yeah. it's wow, that's that's an interesting. <laughs> well, the reality is, I should have never been released of the hospital until the lumbar puncture came back. You know, so that that to me was the big file in, in all in all of this. And then right. when I eventually was diagnosed with meningoencephalitis, you know, even then the doctors had very little information on encephalitis itself and on what to expect. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Their expectations were that within five weeks, I would be back to normal, take two weeks off work, and, and you'll be sweet. And um, this was far, far, far from the reality. You know, like I got five weeks and, and I was still very debilitated. Um, you know, I, I was really struggling to function in lots of different ways. Right. So you start thinking, well, well, am I making this up then? Because the doctor told me that, you know, in five weeks I'll be better, but here's the five week marks and, and I'm really struggling, <laughs> you know? Right. The, um, the doctors, they didn't set you up for success. They set you up for failure. Yeah. There was no recovery plan. There was no, I guess, recovery pathway established. It was, you go back home, you rest and yeah, you'll, you'll get better. Um, that, so my partner and I had to advocate really, really, really hard for ourselves. Um, I think it was week nine when we finally, uh, week nine passed, obviously the acute phase, when we finally got uh, support from an occupational therapist. So that was my first lifeline. So nine wait, weeks. Nine I, weeks and that's when you first got occupational therapy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, it was hard because, you know, like it's the connect, uh, cognitive changes, the emotional mm -hmm. change, the fatigue that, you know, just I was not used to at all. Um, so all those things that you're trying to make sense of, you're trying to figure out how to best manage, but with, with little to no guidance. So, right. yeah, so there was a lot of Googling. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then again, you know, like it only gets you so far. Sometimes it you actually does. need to be in front of, of the health specialist. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually when you Google, I, I love the internet because all the information's out there, but if you Google things enough, everything is cancer, everything. Thank you to our amazing community on Patreon for supporting this podcast. You can support us too and get different perks and gifts depending on which Neuro Jedi tier you sign up for. For example, if you're on our Neuro Padawan $5 tier, then you're probably listening to this episode a day early before it's public release. Your support helps us grow and continue to create this podcast. Plus, a portion of the proceeds go to a different cause or individual in the brain injury survivor community each month. Sign up at patreon.com slash the neuro nerds. <laughs> Everything just comes back. It's like, yeah, you can only go so far. That's why we have to depend on our medical professionals to help us out. To be honest, you know, I didn't know what a stroke was until I had a stroke. 
I had always thought that, oh, stroke, it's like a heart attack, right? It's that old people have strokes. I didn't know that it could happen to young people. I didn't know, I, I had no idea. So I didn't know the signs of stroke, you know? Encephalitis even, it's not the most, you know, I don't hear that word every day. Nah. You know, did did you know what encephalitis was before you were diagnosed nah, with encephalitis? I, I knew of meningitis like most people, you know, but mm-hmm. I had no idea of what encephalitis was. Had never heard the word before. So yeah, it was a big big learning curve, you know. Um so after after you were diagnosed, oh my god, 9 weeks, that just blows my mind. You've mentioned the fatigue, you've mentioned, you know, the um I'm sure uh, stress, anxiety. Uh, what other deficits came along with your brain injury? Um one of the like quite um, big thing for me was my heart rate. I had a lot of heart rate fluctuations that were completely unexplained. Um, and I've always been a super fit person. So, you know, for me, it was really, really out of, of the norm. Um, right. So we had to, you know, push to have that investigated. My vision, so I would lose my peripheral vision, which was really scary. I had the floaters, the blurry vision, struggling to uh, refocus. You know, from mm-hmm. short distance to long distance, there was a huge gap, you know, for right. in order for that to happen. The peripheral vision was really, really scary. Um, and to this day, my vision, I guess, I still feel like, you know, my brain's processed something. By the time it's processed something, I've already gone past it. So... So I call it delayed vision. Yes, I know. I I understand that. I was like that early on when I first started to drive again. Yeah. My my visual processing it wasn't the same. Like once I read, okay, yeah, that's my exit. It's already behind me. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It it took a while. Yeah. And it's kind of how I feel with reading. I stop. I don't know how you are with reading. Um, I stopped reading. Not that I was a big book reader to begin with, but I can't process because I'll finally figure. I'll process the first couple of sentences that I read. And I'm already on the next page. So then I have to go back and wait, wait, who was that? Where did they go? How did they start? So I process audibly a lot better. Okay. So if somebody's, you know, um, audible uh, is how I get through books now. Or if somebody explains information to me as opposed to just texting it to me, it, yeah. it'll stick with me as opposed to like me having to read it because it takes a lot of mental energy. And that leads into the fatigue, because if I'm reading things I can't explain. I think this you'll understand this. The amount of energy it takes to understand what's being read, like what, what's being written. You know, you have to process you have it's, it's this whole thing. And then afterwards, I read a paragraph. So now I'm going to have to take a nap. It's it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for me, what you explain happens a lot with my speech uh, when the aphasia kicks in, um, mm-hmm. like so I can relate. I like reading because I have a trace of it. So that's why I guess, you know, like you were mentioning texting. If you tell me something, follow it by a text. And that's probably part of the memory thing as well. But yeah, so I, I still like the reading part, but it is definitely much harder, partly at the start when, you know, the words were all jumbled up and uh, I would read a sentence and I couldn't comprehend what I had just read. So so there was a lot of that. But it, it this has definitely uh, gone better as the years have gone by, you know, like so the memory is a little bit better. I'm not struggling to read as much, but if I'm tired, yeah, you know, it's not everything. Everything is amplified when you're tired, everything. So if you're normal, if you're fatigued and you struggle with words, when you're tired, you can't even get the words out. And, you know, sometimes early on when I talked about like the, the neural fatigue, I would fall asleep mid sentence. (laughs) So I would be talking to somebody and halfway through, I would literally nod off. I'm significantly better than that. I know the telltale signs of what's going on with my body now. Um, you also mentioned something that I think we all struggle with, imposter syndrome. 
So when, you know, when the doctor's like, oh, you're fine, you'll be fine a couple of weeks and then a couple of weeks came and you weren't fine. You're like, wait, do I even like, do I have a brain injury? Is it? That's where I say the doctors, they didn't set you up for success. They set you up for failure. They didn't protect you, you know? So I, I, that's a really frustrating thing for me where doctors will say things and they don't understand how deeply they impact us. You know, you needed, yeah. I think, a lot more care early on. Um, have, like, have you gotten past that imposter syndrome? Like, are, are you aware now that you're allowed to be tired? You're allowed to not process and function the way that you used to because you have a brain injury? Yeah, I think I'm much better with that. There is still a bit of imposter syndrome, and I think um, it comes from, I guess, the fact of having been dismissed, you know, or your challenges yeah. dismissed. And, and to some level, this is still ongoing today. You know, when you have a, a bad days or your symptoms are, you know, particularly predominant on any given day, right. you're still, I feel I'm still often made to believe that, oh, it's because you're stressed, you're anxious. If you reduce the anxiety, which has some... You know, to some level, it is correct, but it is not always anxiety that is the source of the cognitive deficit in my, in right. my mind. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is, there's something else in the background that feeds it way more than the anxiety. You know, I get anxious because things, you know, are off, not 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 the other way around. So right, I I see it like this. It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's all connected. <laughs> you're yeah. you're gaining this anxiety from the brain injury that you have that's causing you to be tired and not being able to focus on these things or process well. Like it all it's all together. It's not one thing without the other, you know? It's yeah. it's like it's all one big family of suck. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not the best feeling in the world. But I, I'll I'll say this as from one brain injury survivor to another, everything you're feeling is valid. Everything, you know? You, there's, I understand we all have that imposter syndrome and we struggle sometimes. I'm saying I see you, I understand you, and I respect everything that you're going through. I also say I appreciate the way you move forward in your recovery. A lot of us, after a brain injury, it's re- okay, let's let's be honest. Having a brain injury, it sucks. There's nothing fun <laughs> no. about having a brain injury. Now, that being said, do we really want to just have brain injury? Everything's horrible. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I kind of want to go out and I want to enjoy life because you and I, we came really close to not being here. Right. Yes. Like, you know, if the doctors just sent you home like a third time, you might not have made it. You might have not woken up the next day, you know, but you're here. Yeah, you have some deficits, but you're here. So now that we're here, I think we should enjoy things. I think we should smile more. And I think we should focus on living life as opposed to focusing on the things that we lost and the things that make us miserable. Like, let's be happy. I love, I love your social media page. Like, I love it. It makes me so happy because you are a lot like us over here at the Neuro Nerds. You choose, because it's a choice, you choose to move forward with humor and you make some of the greatest TikToks I have ever seen. Thank you. (laughs) So what is it? When did you decide, you know what? I want to advocate for the community, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it like, and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to joke and I'm going to laugh because like, when did you decide that's the way that you wanted to advocate? Uh, probably two and a half years ago, I started writing a lot about my journey and um, that helped me tremendously, I guess, to process a lot of whatever I was feeling or what was happening. Um, and I was using my writing to raise awareness. And then, you know, obviously technology and, and digital media was like, I got I to gotta do something else because writing will only reach so many people. Um, So that's when I started to dip my toe into doing some reels. And for me, it was important to 
have a bit of humor while addressing issues that are really serious, if it makes sense, um, mm -hmm. you know, and very real for the brain injury community, just to make sure that every everyone can relate, but also see the humor in it, because, right. after, you know, not in the early days, but I think as you um, go forward into that journey, you start seeing the odd and the quirky and the funny side of things. You know, for me, it ha it's taken me a while to get there. Um, but now I can see the value in it as well. Right. Look, it, it's, <laughs> I always refer it back to the, the Joker, the, um, the movie Joker with Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, where he said, you know, I always thought my life was a tragedy. Turns out it's a comedy. And if you kind of look at recovery like that, yeah, it's dark. It's really, it's serious. I don't want to take any of the seriousness away from having a brain injury, having a stroke, either through me, a rush, ruptured basal ganglia from high blood pressure, or you, encephalitis, you know, uh, um, uh, other people from uh, ischemic strokes from blood clots. This is all serious stuff. That being said, do we want to talk about, oh, well, it's horrible, we almost died? Yeah, but you know what's a lot more fun to do is talk about that through humor. You yeah, because it's a great audience, yeah. It, it is. It, it takes a little bit of the power back, right? Because we could just be upset and angry and sad. as not really, I don't know. I don't want to go through life that way, and I don't think you do either. <laughs> so every time you pop up a reel, I am so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I really am like, yeah, she she gets it. And, and I love the fact that we've connected because there's not, there's not a lot of us out there who choose, because it's a choice, and I, I don't know if you feel that way. It's a choice. You can choose to focus on how negative things are. And, you know, I'm fatigued all the time. I lose my words. I have aphasia. Some people physically, you know, I no longer have feeling on one side of my body. Yeah, these are really dark things. Or you can say, yeah, that sucks. But you know what? I still have this. I can still do these things. I'm still here to experience this beautiful world, this insane, crazy, wild world. And I think that's what I want to focus on. And you choose to focus on the joy and the happiness. And I love that. You're like my kin. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're like family through brain injury, yes, but also through humor. And I, I love the way that, that you advocate and share information. It really, it, it's... It's a, it's important, yes, and I just think it's amazing. I, I really. So, were you like this before your brain injury? Did you always have this sense of humor, or is that something that you picked up on after your brain injury? Uh, no, I think I was. Yeah, I always used to have fun. Yeah, I liked mm -hmm. having fun. I was very much of a extrovert, and for a while, into uh, I went into a very introvert sort of shell, mm. and then came a point where I was like, you know what? I don't care about my aphasia anymore. I don't care. I still care, but you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna. It is what it is. Sometimes yes. I speak very slow and I've just got to put myself out there. I've got to, you know, it will reach someone within that community that will relate to it. And I feel I'm strong enough to do it. So mm -hmm. if it can help somebody else, then, then why not? So, um, so yeah, I got back into humor and my kids like sort of keep me motivated as much as sometimes um, they're very embarrassed by what I'll do. <laughs> I, I think I think deep down they're they also smiling and you know they're they, the dynamics change a lot since I've started going down that road because I right. I feel happier and in the whole family then dynamic, you know, can see that I'm happier, that I'm feeling more comfortable, more confident again. And and I'm yeah, I feel like I'm growing slowly back to the person I was before. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after stroke? Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash the neuronerds. 
If you haven't heard of Modus Nova, they make devices to help folks with a brain injury, like stroke, regain the use of their affected limbs. For example, the Modus Hand is an AI-powered robotic exoskeleton that helps users do exercises and play games, similar to the way an occupational or a physical therapist might manipulate the limb. It helps survivors get into the thousands of repetitions they need to form new neural pathways. It can assist with hand movements or resist them to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, visit modusnova.com slash theneuronerds to learn more. Use special code theneuronerds when you sign up and get a month free with the 30-day challenge. Just visit modusnova.com slash theneuronerds to get started. Or aspects mm-hmm. of the person I was before that I really loved about me. You know, they, they sort of went dormant for a while, but but now they're finally re-emerging again and and I love that, you know, I love that. I mean, me is me before and now, you know, I'm still right. me. I'm, there's lots that's different, but it's still me, you know, we are right. who we are. We, we are, I feel, and I, I felt this from the, I wouldn't say from the very beginning, but once I became a little bit more accepting of my brain injury, I understand that the old version of me is gone. That person's not coming back and that's okay. We, I still have remnants of who I was. My idiocy is just like, it's just, it's been, <laughs> it, it, it's been exacerbated for sure. I think we become better versions of ourselves. I think we become more comfortable with who we are. I think, you know, we have a different perspective and a different view on what life is, how important it is. So I, I love that you've settled into who you are and, and you're happier. That's what's the most important thing. I think, you know, just be happy. And if you're happy, it's not just for you. It's for your family as well. Your family, hey, mom is happy. She's having fun. So, of yeah. course, that makes you feel good. And I'll say this as um, a dude who was always embarrassed of his mom, no matter what's going on, you're going to be embarrassed of what your mom says and does, <laughs> no matter what it is. I remember my mom, we were at a store and one of my friends was there and my mom said hi to one of my friends. I was so embarrassed. I don't know why. There was no, she just said, hey, and I, I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe she just spoke to somebody I knew. You know, we're kids. Kids don't understand. I, I'll say it. <laughs> kids are dumb. We, we we don't figure stuff out until we're like in our 20s. And then we don't really figure things out until you're in your 30s. Yeah, so. and so on. Yeah. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, Have your kids noticed a difference with mom? Oh, uh, definitely. Um, Like I said, we were, I was supposed to be, I was always very involved, very active. And that was you know, definitely um, my partner had to take, pick up a lot of the slack, particularly in the early days. So we've got three boys. My youngest one was four when I was here. And it's quite interesting because my partner had to be more present and help out more and do more of the, you know, daily, daily stuff compared to what I used to be able to do. My youngest ones developed a really, really close relationship with with. Right with my partner and I think it's just because you know the shift that's occurred at that particular time in his life and they're very good at pointing out like oh mom you sound tired you know if I start to stutter or slow my speech or slur they're like oh you should have a rest now and um, and they've had to take up a lot of responsibility to help mm-hmm. out at a very young age so you know unloading the dishwasher putting the dishes away and um, doing washing hanging washing Lots of little chores like that that were all uh, were all helping us, I guess, get get through the daily routine um, right. in a way that we could, you know, make it work and manageable. And they've also been my main motivation to keep wanting to get better, for sure. Right. For sure. You know. So, what would you say that your brain injury has brought your family closer together? 
uh, yes, and we're definitely way more understanding of one another. I think it's developed like a huge empathy amongst all of us. Mm-hmm. Not not just of what I'm going through, but of what they might be going through as well. Oh, yeah. You know, as they're changing and aging as well. So being more considerate of emotions and you know when physical changes happen, how that impacts us and all that sort of stuff. I think it's definitely made us more aware uh, and mindful of being respectful of. That's beautiful. I, I I love that. And I also love that you had a partner that was able to step up, you know, and and take over for, you know, you in the time of need. We talked about I was just on um, the Making Headway podcast with my significant other. And we talked about after a brain injury, a lot of partners just leave. They just leave, you know, and it's so frustrating and it's so heartbreaking because, you know, we change. You and I we're completely different people than we were when we before we had our brain injuries. <clears throat> We're not different enough that like we're just, you know, now I'm hateful or I'm angry. Like we're just we've changed slightly. And I don't think we've changed for the negative. I think you and I specifically, we've changed for the better. You know, we we're we're our sense of humor is kicked in. We're more empathetic and understanding. We slow things down. We understand that life is beautiful and we want to live it as best we can. Um, I, I I'm just it blows me away that so many partners just like, I, I don't, this isn't the same. So I don't want to put in that work and I'm just going to go. That's, that's frustrating. I'm, I'm really thankful for your partner. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure it hasn't been. Oh, easy. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the, he's the most patient man, the most level headed man. And sometimes, you know, in the past, I used to want to shake him just to get something from him. But uh, him being so emotionally stable and has been, you know, a key to our, recovery really like because i knew that he wouldn't panic you know if something goes wrong i can right. yeah yeah you know you, you you need the straight man and then you need the chaos right so it's like <laughs> uh um the three stooges <laughs> you have like curly but then you need mo to like kind of balance things out you know yeah. every partnership you have like the chaos i think you and i are the chaos for sure <laughs> Absolutely. and then our partners are definitely they kind of keep us in line and they're like hey, hey, hey that's inappropriate i probably wouldn't say that in public yeah <laughs> So, you know, he's, he reckons his opinion is that it's made me way more rounded as a person. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. So after your brain injury, I, I, I'll ask you from one brain injury survivor to another. Do you, how do you feel about yourself today? I'm in a much better, better place. Um, there, has, okay. there has been some really dark places. Um, you know, I had, I used to have confidence by, you know, truckload full <laughs> of something and that vanished it, it completely vanished for a while you know I was really embarrassed I mean I sound fine now but my aphasia mm-hmm. was yeah, pretty pretty bad um, right. and that's what people see you know what you when you put yourself out there in the world and you're struggling to put words together right. yeah that really knocked my confidence down a lot for a long 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 time I was embarrassed to hear myself to see myself on the video um, and all of the others so it has had a profound effect on me, um, and it's mm-hmm. been definitely a journey to find myself again and rebuild myself um, and trust that I can still do hard things and trust that I can still do great things. And and I think along the way, I started finding my purpose again, um, and, and that's that's been awesome. But it's, it's a process. It takes time. You know, acceptance is a... Thing as well um that 
I'm still working on it. I think I think you never stop working on it. There'll be days where I'm fully fine with everything and other days where it's just absolute crap, you know, that still happens, but it doesn't linger for as long as before. It doesn't happen as often as before. Yeah. I do think I often say that um, time is our ally as well in this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and meeting other people, uh, definitely meeting other people for a long while. I, <laughs> for a long while, I, I wasn't really mingling with other people who had brain injuries. Um, I mean, it's not that long ago, but even four and a half years ago, you know, there wasn't so many podcasts. There wasn't so many people openly talking about the effects of brain injury. And in the last few years, that dynamic, I feel, has really started to shift and change. Um, and I think getting that understanding from other people that know what you're experiencing is valid and you're not making this up. And thank you for opening up about this topic because it is a hard topic, um, yeah. but you're not alone in this. You're not, you know, there's other people feeling and experiencing the same thing. That's been tremendously helpful in getting to where I am now. It, it was hard early on because you and I like we're close. Um, I, I'm going on six years. You're going on five years for your for your brain injury. Um, my first year was I say it all the time it was the most isolated I've ever felt in life, you know, and I, I'll, I'll, I'm starting to say this every episode. Isolation isn't from not having people around. It's from not being understood. Yes. You had your partner with you. He can only understand to a certain extent. I had my significant other with me. She can only understand to a certain point. You and I, when we speak immediately, I'm like, oh, the fatigue. I completely understand that. Losing words. When you're tired, everything is just amplified. All the deficits are amplified. I understand that. So once I was able to start talking with other, you know, brain injury survivors, I was like, oh, my gosh, not only did I survive because, you know, we survived. Okay. Once I started connecting with other people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to live. I'm going to be able to like really enjoy life, live life and feel, I'm doing quote fingers here, normal. I'm going to feel normal again because we understand each other. And before I started connecting with people in the community, God, it was so lonely. Yeah. It was, it was so lonely. I'm so thankful that you were able to find others, you know, and that being said, become one of those people because the way you advocate through your videos on your social media page, your blog, which is brilliant, by the way, just want to point that out. You're, you're a very good writer. I, 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 I really like uh, the way you explain your journey. I love that. You know, it, it makes me feel great. That being said, where can people find your blog, Vero? Uh, www.weirdwonderfulbrain.com. And and we all have weird, wonderful brains, don't we? Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I had you on here. First off, no matter what, I would have loved to have you on the show because you're a fellow neuro nerd and I love that. Okay, but specifically because we have Encephalitis Awareness Day that's coming up February 22nd, and this episode will be released right before then. So, again, encephalitis, look it up. It's inflammation of the brain. It can cause all kinds of craziness. It it really can. So educate yourselves as best you can with everything, with stroke, with, you know, a a difference between ischemic and hemorrhagic encephalitis, all all of these things. We we, we have to uh, learn more and understand why these things are happening to us. And if you're not a brain injury survivor, if somebody in your life is, learn more to help them. The one thing that we want to do is we want to be understood a little. We don't want anything different. We don't want anything special. We literally just want a little bit of understanding. You know, we're the same people, slightly different, slightly, right? 
It might take us a little bit longer to process some stuff. It might take us a little longer to respond or really understand what's being said. But we're still us. If anything, we're better versions of ourselves. I'll just say this. I think we're better than you. No, 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 no. no. I don't think we're better than anybody. So I'll say this, Vero. We are the neuro nerds over here. So I ask you now, what is your nerdum? Uh, my nerdum, um, I am a bit of a Marvel fan, and I hate it if my kids um, start an episode without me. Uh, they get pulled <laughs> up pretty pretty badly. Um, As they should. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I just love that sort of universe. Uh, you know, I don't overanalyze it. I just sit and enjoy watching it. Another thing that grown more nerd of is definitely anything about the brain um mm. i like to research understand more you know how obviously some symptoms others have that i don't necessarily have or don't have to as high of a degree so i like to be able to understand what it might feel and you know like so yeah just just understanding the whole brain because it is such a complex organ and there's so much unknown still um yes. Which is why I think, you know, the awareness and the awareness within the community, outside the community and with the medical, with the professional body as well is so important because we are limited in what we know about the brain still and there's yet lots to be discovered. And I think the more we talk about it, the more interest it generates and the more research perhaps, you know, will will occur on the back of it. Right. And I think uh, the more awareness and the more understanding we have, the better with everybody, you know, for the brain injury survivors ourselves, for the friends, for the family, for the professionals to really, you know, look, we have to work together. You guys read things in books. We experience them in life. So they're experts on treating the brain. We're experts on having brain injuries. So we, I think, all have to work well together. And I'll say this about the brain. It's they're like um, snowflakes. Right. There's and thumbprints, uh, fingerprints. There's no the, every single one is different. Every single one is unique. Um, do you know uh, Luke Perry, the actor? Yes. Luke Perry, the actor, he passed away recently of a hemorrhagic stroke. That's the type of stroke I had. And him and I are we were the exact same. I had my um, uh, stroke a few years before him, but we were we're the same age and he didn't make it. So that being said, <laughs> I also have several friends in the community who have had hemorrhagic strokes, same type that I had, and they can't feel one of their sides, you know, but we had the same type of stroke. We all react differently because we're all unique people. So just because this person had this type of brain injury and that person had that one, they might react completely differently. We have to understand this. Okay, normies, I'm talking to you. You guys have to understand this because one thing that I'm tired of hearing is, hey, so-and-so had a stroke and they're fine now so why are you still struggling it's yeah like, i think that's ignorance. how i sort of like rationalize it in my head is that the source of the brain injury is important for the treatment part right but managing the effects of a brain injury like there's so many crossover that's a different ball yes. game different ball game yes so that i think that's where for me the awareness um is is quite important um because even though you had a stroke, somebody else, you know, will have aneurysm or, you know, what a, a, a TBI. Um, the source is different, but a lot, there's so many crossover between the effects. So um, many. So many. Yeah. So I, I think if we grow the understanding around what is life after brain injury, um, that mm-hmm. will help have a better support in place, um, better uh, recovery 
techniques or you know think about uh, what could be helpful for people people like us I guess going forward um, yeah right the care after brain injury is is it's so important it really is now if you're not getting it here's what you do you find us you find <laughs> us now us in particular yes you find us but find somebody find your tribe find your kin right hey Vero I think I found more of my tribe in you. I really do. I, I'm I'm so thankful for the way you advocate. I love your energy. I love how passionate you are with, with humor and information. I love that. And just it really it, it's it's drawn me to you. And I'm really excited that we connected. It means the world that there's another neuro nerd out there halfway across the world <laughs> living in the future, advocating like I would advocate. And, and, and I love that. So anybody out there, if you wanted to reach out to Vero, you can reach out to Vero on social media at uh, Veronique.Taberge. Ooh, put that on your notes. <laughs> Ooh, I don't say that. Yeah, all of these will definitely be in the show notes with spelling yeah. and everything. Because I even, I butchered your name like several times. So I'm thankful you're like, oh, just call me Vero. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Vero works for me. <laughs> so you can also, this is where I'll drop all of our socials. You can reach out to my tiny, beautiful ass-kicking co-host, Lauren, at Lauren Almanzano on Instagram. You can reach out to me at Joseph Rocks on all the socials. You can reach out to us, the NeuroNerds, at the NeuroNerds everywhere. Vero, I am blown away. And, and I mean this with how you advocate for the community. I, I'm so thankful for you. I'm really happy that we connected. I would love to have you back on the show at another time at another time and talk complete nerdum. I would love to go deep into nerdum and go back and forth because I think that would just be brilliant. Are you in? I am in for sure. <laughs> okay, so definitely check out um, uh, Vero's page. Definitely check out Vero's blog. It's, uh, it's, it's oh my gosh, I, I gotta tell you. It's a great read for brain injury survivors as well as normies. Check it out. Um, on top of that, February 22nd, Encephalitis Awareness Day worldwide. Do your information. Reach out to Vero. If you have any questions, I'm sure she's there to, to um, answer and, and help you out in any possible way. Vero, so thankful for you. This has been amazing. And on this, she lives in the future. I'm still living a full day in the past over here in the States. Note, this neuro nerd is out. Carol, that was awesome. That was cool. How was that? How are you feeling? Yeah, I had a lot of fun and the butterflies disappeared pretty quickly. So thank you. You made me feel very comfortable. Hey, you're just talking to this big goon-faced idiot. It's fine. <laughs> If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. Your reviews help us grow and reach more listeners like you. Find us by searching for the Neuro Nerds on the Apple Podcast app today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.